Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Tonight, Piers Morgan on Censor, Gary Lineker compares the government and its policy on migrants to Nazi Germany. But whether you agree with him or not, and I'll give my verdict, should he be sacked for expressing an honestly held opinion? International Women's Day, but what's the point celebrating it or even having it when most of the people virtue signaling about it today won't even say what a woman is? We'll debate that. Plus, how old is too old to run a country? Two septuagenarian superstars, Gene Simmons, the rock legend, and Jerry Springer, the legend legend, go head to head. Live from London. This is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Happy International Women's Day. Hurrah! Although, personally, as a more ardent feminist than all the virtue signalers out there today, uh, I celebrate it every day. For me, I'm a 365-day-a-year feminist. Not just one day a year. Not me. I'm every day. But what about this international... Women's Day anyway. What does it mean? We're in an era where people won't say the word women. They say things like individuals with a cervix, persons who identify as female, birthing parents, menstruators, chest feeders, bodies with vaginas, and so on and so on. It's utter madness, but this is becoming the norm. These are all genuine terms used to describe adult human females by everyone from the British NHS to the Lancet Medical Journal. Now, you might notice the problem with this so-called inclusive language. It excludes women. And in these fevered times, woman seems to be the hardest word. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. My question is, are all trans Look, women women? You haven't is, answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with that's here. I like scented candles. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great like, question. Women can have a penis. <laughs> Nick, I'm not. <laughs> what are they identifying as? Uh, as a woman. But, but what is that? As a woman... Trans women are, are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is... <laughs> As Prime Minister Rishi Sunak told me, to my great relief, and probably yours, it's not a difficult question. A woman is an adult human female. Standing up for women has never been more important. Women have fought for years for the right to vote, for equal pay, opportunities, respect... But all those rights are now under attack, and the attacks range from the ridiculous to the downright dangerous. This ultra-woke mentality that anyone can be a woman who sticks their hand up and says they're a woman leads to people like sex offenders like Adam Graham in Scotland, 
who suddenly identified as Isla Bryson at his trial, demanded a place in a female prison and got one, where if he'd been allowed to stay there, he could have attacked other women. Eventually, common sense prevailed. Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, was forced to resign over the fallout from all this. And he, and I'm afraid I use the word he in his case, he's a male rapist, was sent back to a male prison where he belonged. Even his ex-wife said the whole thing was a total scam to get a softer sentence. The Cambridge Dictionary is clear. It's an adult human female. It's a biological fact. You can't muck around with biology. It's also an adult who lives and identifies as female that they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Well, some girls' schools will no longer call their pupils girls on the off chance that the girls identify as one of the other 7,500 genders we're not supposed to accept. Sportswomen who've dedicated their lives to achieving excellence in their fields find themselves competing against, and in many cases losing to, people who were born male. The Brit Awards, as I and many others warned, erased gendered categories to appease the virtue signalers, and women were promptly expunged from the top category. Not a single woman in the best artist category. Exactly what I said would happen. Ironically, given the subject matter, the world has gone nuts. Women used to be called women before trans activists made it a verbal hate crime punishable by instant cancellation. And it's not about trans rights. I support trans people's rights to fairness and equality. But as I always say, not when it impinges and infringes and destroys women's rights to fairness and equality. So I say we should just get rid of International Women's Day. I think it's become a farce until all those queuing up to signal their virtue about it are prepared to say in public what a woman is. Otherwise, what are we celebrating? And how can we use the word women in the title of a day we're supposed to celebrate when those who want to celebrate it refuse to say what one is? Well, joining me now is the author and commentator Angelica Mallet, Talk TV's Esther Krakow and Fox News contributor Tommy Lahren. So, Tommy Lahren, let me start with you. Two, two people in Britain today who've been at the forefront of not saying what a woman is. One is Nicola Sturgeon, the ex-First Minister of Scotland who lost her job because of this ridiculous farce of a rapist self-identifying. Um, she tweeted today, proud on International Women's Day to visit my old University of Glasgow and banged on about women's rights. Uh, this is the woman who just literally lost her job for allowing a male rapist into a female prison. And Sakia Starmer, who's leader of the opposition, Labour Party here, uh, was talking about protections for women in Parliament today, and yet he refuses to say what a woman is. Where are we with this? How has it come that leaders of parties in countries like the UK, and we see a lot of it in America as well, just won't say what a woman is? Well, first of all, I have to apologize to you because all of this wokeness originates here in the United States of America and then we export it to you in the yes, U.S. Yes, you're to blame. So we started this really in, in America. Yes, we are. You know, the wokeness starts here and then it, of course, moves over and now you guys have to deal with it. The world has to deal with it. But I say this. I'm proud to celebrate International Women's Day because I know what a woman is. So I would say if you don't know what a woman is, you don't get to celebrate it. You don't get to pretend to be a feminist when it's helpful to you or helpful to your political narrative. You have to be able to define 
define what a woman is. This is all a farce. They are seeking to erase women, and this is the radical rainbow mafia, as I call it. This is not your average LGBT activist. This is the rainbow mafia section of that radical LGBTQ movement that has made women less than, and then has elevated all of this transgenderism and all of this pick your gender, identify as potato, they have hijacked the women's rights movement, the feminist movement, and actual feminists should be really pissed off about it. Well, as a feminist, I am. Um, I recently interviewed uh, Angelica, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and I asked him this question, which seems to stump many other leaders. Here's the clip. What is a woman? We know that Nicola Sturgeon can't answer that. We know Keir Starmer can't answer that. You're the British Prime Minister. What is a woman? Yeah, I, of course I know a woman is adult human female. It's not difficult, is it, Angelica? I mean, that is what a woman is. I mean, I don't know why you're obsessed with defining it. Like, what, what is a man? Like, why do we need these arbitrary... A man is a male adult human. I mean, that's it. Right, OK, I don't know that we need... These, these, these are just these biological facts, but they're just facts. They're not, they're not arguable points, are they? But you, I think we have a right to self-identify. And you said as you what? want to... As if, what? Well, if you'd on. like to be a woman, you can identify as a woman. I don't know why there is such an issue around... We've that. literally just seen a male rapist use that scam to get himself put into a female prison where he could attack vulnerable women inside a female prison when even his ex-wife said it was all a scam. Which is a terrible, very distressing, isolated incident. And I think it's easy to take that and say, that means that no, no, no one can identify as a woman. But and it's that's, not an isolated not incident, though. But, but it, it's... it's 42% it's of, of trans-identifying prisoners in prison are in there for sex crimes. There's actually an advantage, evidently, to identifying as a female, because they never identify as male, because somehow male prisons seem less appealing to them. It's really weird. Anyway, but is it, that's is it, lim is it limitless, right this self-identity? It's not totally limitless. What's the but when, limit? you're, when you're talking about International Women's Day, I don't know why we take the, the conversation around International Women's Day and make it about this. But if anyone there's had, so many benefits. Right, but if to anyone, according day, to you, can identify as a woman, anyone can, right? I, I don't see a problem with that. Just literally put the hand up and say, I'm a woman. But it, it's not an easy thing to do to go out into Actually, the world. It's very easy. Very easy. <laughs> right. easy. You might think it's easy to say, but to decide to do that, to say, what this is doing who, it involved? Whatever that person decides, but to Doesn't go out into the world up? and say, I, I don't identify as perhaps the sex so I was born as. So why can't I identify... Not... OK, why can't I identify as a black lesbian? <laughs> well, firstly, I mean... It was well, I'm serious. Her. I'm serious. If I can identify as anything mm -hmm. without any need to prove I'm actually what that is... I, I think... Why can't I, on International Women's Day, say, I'm Piers Morgan, I'm a black lesbian? I think taking it to a kind of absurd no, status... No, no, I think, where I think that's what... About quite a with respect, I think change. that you've already opened the absurdity door by saying it is limitless, you can do what you like. Anyone can say, I'm a woman. So I simply ask you, why can't I? I mean, this point kind of ridicules trans people to an extent. Actually, I think, I think what I you think said ridicules trans people because, actually, people who, who go through the full process of transition who actually go through what we used to call a sex change, which I don't think you can muck around with original biology, but those who actually go through surgical procedure over a number of years, I've got great respect for that very difficult journey they go on. I have zero respect for people who just wallop their hand up and go suddenly, I'm a woman and I want all the rights that a woman has and I want to compete, say, in sport, I'm a six-foot-four-inch athlete, sprinter, swimmer, whatever, who's competed very mediocrely in male sport, I now want to come in and crush women in swimming pools and in sprinting events and break all their records, perhaps irrevocably, just by saying, 
I'm a woman. I think that is the absurdity you were talking about. My response was to say, well, if it's limitless, why can't I then say whatever I want to say? And you say immediately, as I knew you would, well, that's ridiculous. But my point is, you were being ridiculous. Well, that, that's your opinion. You can think I'm ridiculous, but I don't think you can say, well, it has to be... I don't know why I am, but you're not. You're, I, I don't think you have to say it's post-op is the only way that someone's allowed to identify well, the, as trans. The original standard for, for us on, to The decide. original standard for being transgender was being diagnosed with gender dysphoria which is a legitimate condition. And now it's been, oh, however way you feel. So if you feel on Tuesday you're a woman and on Thursday you're a pizza, that's perfectly valid. But to you, that's ridiculous. And I, I want to know why that is ridiculous. We should be talking about actual women on International Women's Day. That's not crazy. I mean, I agree. I think, but uh, your idea of an actual woman... Uh, the I chromosomes. It's an adult female. It's not difficult. The chromosomes are a pretty good indication. I don't think you have to be biologically female to identify Then as you a are woman. wrong, because then I can identify as a fox. Yeah. But again, it's you a can. Kind of absurd point. Well, how many, like, well let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Angelica. How many genders are there? Two. There are two genders. Oh. Wow. So you don't believe in transgenders at all? Well, I think, I think there are well, two. Well, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. There are two genders? Well, it's taught in. Well, when you say well, you've literally just launched this huge defense of transgenderism. Now you've eradicated it. I think there's. If there are two genders, you mean male and female, there's, right? There's gender fluidity. I, I will. F fluid between what? Between what? Between different identities, and we can choose different what? identities. You see how difficult this is, though? But it is difficult, but I think making... But it's not difficult until you make it difficult. You see, the BBC has done teaching videos to 11- and 12-year-olds where they say there are 100 genders. One of them was astrogender, which is an affinity with the stars and the galaxy. My response to that on the last show I did was to say, well, in that case, I identify as a two-spirit penguin. I was then told I was being ridiculous, but I made the same point. The ridiculousness is the BBC teaching kids there are a hundred genders. There aren't. It is absurd. Bring back uh, Tommy Lahren, who I imagine is hyperventilating over there in America. Um, Tommy, I mean, look, I don't see why, if it's limitless, I can't just say I'm Piers Morgan, I'm a black lesbian. Because that is where limitless self-identity takes us. It means that male rapists can say they're women and get into, into female prisons. It means I can say I'm a two-spirit penguin or a black lesbian and... Why can't I? Because that is where it takes you. Well, it certainly does, and I think you just had the perfect argument there. It's impossible to define, and it's impossible to stand up for, because it's a mockery of what actual people are. And furthermore, going back to children, when this happens at a young age, when you start trying to convince kids that they don't know what gender they are, or they're born in the wrong body at 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, that's child abuse. All right, gender-affirming care wherein you only tell somebody they can be whatever they want to be regardless of their biology at a young age, that is child abuse. It's happening in the UK, it's happening in the US, and this is making room for groomers to groom young people, to confuse the heck out of them, make them not know what they are so that they can take advantage and exploit them. Now, I want to be very clear here. This is not the mainstream LGBTQ movement. There are a lot of conservatives that even support that movement. This is a radical agenda made by groomers, and they don't want you to call them groomers, which is a perfect example of why they are groomers. This is what we're doing is to confuse young people, to confuse all people, to make them dumber, make them confused as to what they are. It's a mockery of women's rights. It actually, it's a mockery of human rights. Yeah. And we should no longer be having And you discussion. end up with scandals like the Tavistock Clinic here in London in the UK, where they were basically mutilating children, young you know, kids, teenagers, 
mutilating their bodies irrevocably. And then it turned out, after it closed, after a scandalous report came out, that 97% of all the patients had other conditions, from autism to depression to other issues, which may have been affecting their ability to think straight about what they wanted to be. And that was, to me, as a father of four kids, utterly horrific, just horrific, this was going on, and anyone who tried to raise concerns about this, and journalists did, were immediately branded transphobic. And, Esther, this comes back to what we see with, you know, people like J.K. Rowling, who's... I'm no friend of J.K. Rowling. She can't stand me, and I don't like her, right? We, we, it's like fire and water. But on this issue, I've not seen a word she said that is transphobic. Yeah. I've just heard her go, I want to support and protect women's rights. For that, she's been unbelievably hounded, abused... Attempts to cancel, which fortunately have backfired. But it's all wrong, this, mm. isn't it? The thing is, and one of the, the shocking things that she's been attacked for is for drawing attention to domestic violence and violence against women. And that's actually the biggest point here. Other than the fact that, you know, that male rapist was allowed to go into a female prison in Scotland, there's a genuine danger about uh, around allowing men into women's spaces, like women's shelters and right. things like that, and they can be there just by identifying as a woman and then identifying as a tree the next day. Right, so, Angelica, do you, I mean, do you understand that part of the argument? I understand that part of the argument, but, I, I mean, like T Tommy said, I don't think this is confusing for children. I think it's giving you freedom of expression and freedom of choice. But how many girls did you know? Like, my, my wife was a bit of a tomboy when she was young, right? How many kids do you know, young girls in particular, who are, are tomboys? But if, if the wrong person gets hold of them and persuades them, actually, what you should start doing is mutilating your body and have a full attempt to become a boy, that's not what most tomboys end up wanting. They end up actually going through puberty, getting older, and then that's it. They become women. Right? But if you get hold of these impressionable young minds too early when they're just clowning around being tomboys, that's the danger to me. I don't think the messaging is as extreme as you as you think it is, and I think we we the Tavistock clinic was pretty extreme. I think we whip ourselves into a frenzy thinking uh, thinking these things and this language that you mentioned at the start of the show. I don't think you hear that language used that often in like everyday speech. Which language? And I think what you were saying. Um, oh no, these are on like NHS websites. Oh no, no, this is where you're wrong. This is actually NHS websites in many cases. They genuinely call women chest feeders birthing partners. They dare not say anything gender-specific to women in case some trans people don't like it. To which I say, where are the rights of women to be called what they want to be called? Why does all language have to be degendered for a tiny minority of people? I think the problem is there's so much fear around having these kind of conversations and saying the wrong thing, getting it wrong. That means that people can't have conversations that feel kind of progressive about what, what is gender identity, what do, does the future look like, how do we create a compassionate space? So I think to your question at the start, like, what is woman and why politicians wouldn't answer it? They're so scared of getting it wrong. And well, I people think are scared because they, they, the, the, the mob come for them. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and the I'm... mob needs to just go away and shut up. Anyway, I think scrap International Women's Day until we can all agree what a woman is. No, I'm sorry. I think there's so many benefits to having International Women's Day. It would it'd be a real shame to do that. Well, if you had your way, everyone would celebrate it by identifying as a woman, even if they weren't. Well, being a woman. Happy International Women's Day. I am a woman. It's a farce. Anyway, Angelica, lovely to see you. Thank you very much. Esther, going to see you a bit later on. Tommy, always good to have you over at the pond. International Women's Day, there you are. A fine example of a genuine woman, correct?
Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Identify as a woman. I am a woman. And that's how this thing works, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Thank you, Tommy Lehrer. Well, next tonight, MPs demand that Gary Lineker, sporting legend, uh, is fired from the BBC after comparing the government's migrant policy to Nazi Germany. But is he entitled to share his opinions? We'll debate that with his former colleague, Mark Lawrenson, next. Well, still to come tonight, possibly the greatest panel ever ascended to debate how old is too old to be a world leader. Two septuagenarian superstars, Gene Simmons from KISS and Jerry Springer, TV icon, will join me live and go head-to-head. -head. But first, the Match of the Day star, Gary Lineker, former England striker, of course, has faced down demands from MPs. He should be fired for condemning the government's migrant policy. Well, in response to a video of Home Secretary Suella Braverman, Explaining the scheme, Lineker tweeted, Good heavens, this is beyond awful. He went on to say, There is no huge influx. We take far fewer refugees than other major European countries. It's just an intolerable, immeasurably cruel policy dictated at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 30s. And I'm out of order? It's an interesting debate, this. My view is it's clearly incendiary, what Gary Lineker said, and historic historically wrong. I think there's no comparison between what this current British government is proposing to what Nazi Germany did. Gary got a bit carried away, as he tends to do. We have dinner together quite regularly, and this is what he does, and he would say the same about me. We both have strong opinions, we both believe in what we say, and we express them forcefully. But we agree to disagree. And I have no problem with Gary Lineker, a football presenter, a sports presenter, from giving his views. He's not a BBC news journalist. He's not anchoring the news at 10 or Question Time or Newsnight. He's a football presenter doing Match of the Day and other major sporting events. He's a celebrity and a public figure. People want to know, his 8.5 million followers want to know what he thinks about stuff. Why do we pretend that people like him exist in a sealed BBC bubble of perfect propriety where no opinions exist? I know many BBC journalists, they're all highly opinionated. But the ones that work in news understand the importance of impartiality. Who cares what Gary Lineker really says about government policy on stuff? He's just, in the end, a football presenter. I don't mean that to denigrate him. He's very good at it. But he's not a news presenter. So it shouldn't matter to the BBC's news output what he thinks about the migrant situation. Now, if he said this on Match of the Day, then the criticism would be justified. I, for example, did not like him making his start of the World Cup coverage a monologue about Qatar's human rights abuses, because he hadn't done it before in previous World Cups in other countries, not least Russia. And I very much doubt he'll do it at the next one in America. So I felt it was wrong to single out Qatar. And also it blended politics and football in that case. But my question then for the BBC would be, if it was all right for Gary Lineker to express his views about Qatar's human rights abuses and you put him up to doing it and agreed that he could do that, wanted him to, well, what's the difference between him doing that at the start of a World Cup and now tweeting his disagreement about what he considers human rights abuses by the current British government? Now, if you decide not to watch him because of opinions, that's his right. But I don't think you can be a campaigner for free speech, as I am, and just turn off the tap because I don't like the opinion... I'm hearing. 
If Linekil was cheering the government for getting to grips with the migrant crisis, the very people now demanding he be fired would be wanting him to get a statue in Trafalgar Square. Well, joining me is Lineker's former Match of the Day co-star, Mark Lawrence, and also joined by Daily Mirror's associate editor, Kevin Maguire, and Esther Cracker, who is still with me. So, Mark Lawrence, what is your honest view about this? It's the latest in many run-ins that Gary's had over his political tweets on his own Twitter account, so not on television or Match of the Day, but do you think it crosses a line? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, Piers, I'm a pint of Guinness, if you're interested. <laughs> um, secondly, look, look, it's, it's, it's up to him if he, he wants to say what he wants to say. I mean, the use in terms of... in relation talking about the Nazis was absolutely, totally wrong. But he's a human being. He's, he's bright. You know he's bright as well. He's, he's allowed to say what he wants to say. And it's frightening at the moment. And everybody all of a sudden is saying, you've got to sack him. Why have you got to sack him? We've all got a right to say what we want to say, have we not? Is the problem, Mark... I, mean, I don't know what guidance you were given when you worked for the BBC for so long, but is the problem that the BBC themselves mm. haven't really drawn the line? They haven't really clarified this situation where if a news and current affairs uh, presenter does something like this, everybody knows that crosses a line. But it hasn't really been said yeah. publicly what the line is in relation to people like you when you worked there or Gary Lineker. Is that part of the problem? Or were you told specifically you can't yeah. do this kind of thing? No, no, you're not told at all. Um, and obviously, you know, you because if you've got any modicum of common sense, you know exactly what you need to say at the, at the given moment. But no, there's, there's, there's no... I mean, the, the, the problem is they are frightened to death of their own shadows, the BBC. That is the crux of the matter. And therefore, every time somebody goes on, on television, obviously, on the radio, whatever, or what Gary said in terms of the tweet, they, they are wetting themselves because they just do not know and they say, no, he's going to wrap him over the knuckles. You're not going to sack Gary Lineker for what he said. You may totally disagree, and I agree, disagree with what he said anyway, but there's no way you're going to sack him, is there? Well, apart from anything else, one of the people who would have to authorise his sacking would be Richard Sharp, the chairman, who gave £400,000 to the Conservative Party and also helped Boris Johnson get a loan of 800000 Is he really going to sack a presenter for impartiality issues? Because I think that would be a pretty hard sell. No. Um, I, I guess... What I would say on the BBC side, I know a lot of BBC presenters, and they do take the news ones, the, the, the impartiality principle, incredibly seriously. And a lot of them are genuinely angry that Gary seems to be able to get away with saying whatever he likes to a very large number of people, to his 8.5 million followers. They believe it then backfires on their ability in the news division to genuinely say that the whole corporation is impartial. But Bert Piers is, is saying it as, as a person, not as a match of the day, sport mm. presenter, whatever you want to describe him as. He's just saying it as a human being. I think it's different if you're involved with the news, which, which it has to be. But he's just, as you say, for, you know, a, an, old, an old England scorer. Mm. And that's what he is. That's as good as he is as a presenter. That's, that's basically the bottom, of, the bottom of it all. Yeah. Kevin, I mean, I, this is my thing. I, thought, I felt the analogy he drew was completely wrong, yeah. actually quite offensive to anyone 
who went through the Holocaust. If you're Jewish and you read this, try to, try to compare what's happening now, sending people back who come up on shore on a dinghy to anything the Nazis did and exterminating 12 million people, 6 million of which were Jewish. That analogy seemed to me to be completely wrong. Yeah, but what he was doing, Piers, he wasn't saying the government setting up concentration camps. He was actually echoing uh, Joan Salter, who's a British mm. Holocaust survivor, who earlier this year said what the government is doing is dehumanising people. And this is what happened in Germany. People were dehumanised first, the thing, and then you go somewhere what? else. So he's not saying they're, no, they're, see, they're putting people in gas So you chambers. think it was more it's, a clumsy analogy? There is a clumsiness in it, but it's the dehumanisation and, and not treating them as people. Esther, the problem is, I think, whenever the moment you evoke Adolf Hitler yeah. or the Nazis... Yeah. Unless you're literally talking about people who've murdered millions and millions of people, it never, ever works. It's an it extreme, is always it's extremely poor taste. the wrong analogy. It's an extremely poor taste. I have an issue with this, because why does he never draw parallels with the Rwandan genocide, for example, or what happened in Cambodia? Why is it always Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler, Hitler and the Nazis? Because it's, uh, it's Western Europe, no, and no, we're in Western no, because Europe. There is a disregard. Uh, there is a disregard there for, for the Jewish communities in this country that actually have a history attached yeah. to that. And I think that's what, what it comes to. A lot of Jewish people today on the airways yeah. were upset. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, it's that, a complete the, the Holocaust was more than just Jewish people. Oh, six million of them were absolutely yeah. central. There were also Romani, gypsies, trade right. unions. Communists, yeah, but he uh, never, he other, never other people as well. No, no, but that's it's you can you can claim there's an over Western focus can, in Western can, should, Europe. I should, think that's pretty legitimate. This principle of, of impartiality. I mean, Emily Maitlis basically left the BBC over a fury yeah. involving, amongst other things, retweeting me yeah. about Dominic Cummings, who was just a blatant liar, yeah. uh, taking the public for a ride about Barnard Castle and eyesight and so on. And she reflected that accurately. Mm. And the furore, I think, yeah. helped drive her out of the BBC. But, so it, they yeah. do take it very seriously. And they, they see what happened to someone like Emily yeah. and they see a double standard applied. Now, she doesn't. Yeah. She thinks he should be allowed to have his say. She was tweeting yeah. that today. But look, they... Piers, the BBC is having a crisis of confidence because it's under such assault because of its central position funded by... Mm. A license fee that you have to you have to pay, but if you if you buy this idea, it's a hotbed of lefties. You'd have to explain how did David Cameron's press secretary come from BBC? Well, there are certainly news? a few people how did Boris who are not lefties. Yeah, Boris Johnson's press yeah. secretary come from BBC. I used to joke that you there could, are a lot of Tories and right wingers. There are, but you could news. shoot a harpoon in the BBC newsroom and not hit a conservative. <laughs> I mean, I, I've always felt. Uh, no, 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 I think no, we no, need I to think, stop pretending no. that the BBC is you know not biased, right? And I don't I don't think it's biased particularly in one direction. But there's no such thing as impartial journalism. It's impossible. It attempts to be. No, Some, it's sometimes impossible. it's over-impartial, it's over as, it, it, as, as it was on climate change or on Brexit. So, final look question, Esther, country. should he get fired for this? Absolutely not. No. No? And, Mark, I presume you don't think he should either? Absolutely not. More importantly, Mark, before I let you go... Are Arsenal going to win the league? <laughs> no, Arsenal are not going to win the league. <laughs> Hopefully. Listen, listen, we'll have you twittering and wittering on about it for three months when the season finishes. Oh, you'd hear Hopefully. a lot, about it for on, a lot longer City. than that, Sunshine. Uh, but because of your refusal yeah, no. to admit the inevitable, I'm going to fire you from this programme tonight. Mark Lawrenson, you're fired. Thank but you. Great to see you. <laughs> uh, good to see you guys. See you later on. Uh, next tonight, how old is too old to be a world leader? I'll be debating that with Kiss legend Gene Simmons, who's now embarking on Kiss's final tour, and TV legend Jerry Springer, who will never, ever stop working. It's the greatest panel ever assembled. Look at them. Two icons in their fields. They'll be live next.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Donald Trump, age 76, remains the front-runner to be the Republican nominee at next year's presidential election. Aged 80, Joe Biden is already the oldest president in American history. If he runs again and wins, he'd be 86 by the time his second term ends in 2028. He's already saying things like this this week. I came back from a trip after being away for a couple of days, and I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a... a uh, anyway... They had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. That's comforting, isn't it? That's the President of the United States this week. Um, is it any wonder that concerns about Biden's age top the list of reasons Democrat voters want the party to find an alternative candidate for 2024? Well, joining me now are legendary KISS frontman Gene Simmons, who's just announced dates for one final world tour, legendary former talk show host, uh, ex-mayor of Cincinnati and current TV icon... Because that never gets taken away. Jerry Springer. Well, welcome to both of you. Uh, like I say, greatest panel ever assembled. Gene Simmons, um, you're 73, I believe, and you've decided to end things with Kiss in terms of touring. Is that an age-related decision by the band? Well, yes, it is. You know, part and parcel of being around for 50 years, longer than you've been alive, young man. <laughs> Not quite. We've been touring... <laughs> We've been touring since the last century, literally speaking. And at a certain point, pride, self-respect, and everything says, get off the stage. So at 73 years of age right now, still have hair, much more on my back, unfortunately, um, the physicality just gets in the way. I mean, we're not blues performers. We don't stand still and just strum acoustic guitar. I wear dragon boots that have the weight of a bowling ball, about 40 pounds in all, got a spitfire flying <laughs> through the air. At a certain, at a certain point, self-respect says, be grateful, thankful, and get off the stage. And, and let do you think, else... Gene, should, should the same logic apply to presidents? I mean, if Biden, he's already 80, he'd be 86 if he was to run again and win. No, and he's already showing signs yeah, what many people no... think of, of, you know, first onset of dementia. Should he be able to run as president at this age? No, I don't think so. And that doesn't mean that I agree or don't agree with the politics. Politics aside, there should be a test to find out if somebody has their, their wits about them, number one. You're talking about the most powerful person on earth. And also to find out whether or not somebody is absolutely nuts. There should be a qualification, a medical qualification and psychological qualification that somebody in charge isn't just going to go nuts and go like that or fall down the stairs when okay, they try well, to me, go up on Air Force One. OK, let me bring in uh, Jerry on this, because Nikki Haley is one of the other Republican uh, candidates. She actually did say something very similar. Here's what she said. In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire. 
will have term limits for Congress. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. Now, Jerry, you were about 15 when you were mayor of Cincinnati from memory. It was a very long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Um, but you're a young yeah, man. Don't these jobs require a certain degree of mental agility? Uh, certainly well, running sure. a country like America, which you would think that every year after 80, you're probably losing your powers, right? Well, first of all, if we had a mental acuity test uh, for people who are going to be president, we never would have had Trump. Uh, there are a whole bunch of other people that aren't older, you know. Uh, so that that issue I, I, I put aside. Biden is an exceptional case. Now, the we can discuss whether he's too old to be president, but the fact of the matter is the only person that actually knows that for a fact is the person or persons who examined him. Everyone else just has an opinion. He's being tested whether or not he has those facilities. Now the question is, when I look at the evidence, this man in two and a half years has accomplished more than any American president since Franklin Roosevelt, with the possible exception of Lyndon Johnson on, on domestic policies. Now, a lot of people don't like what he's done. But when you take a look at the things that he's accomplished, this is not a man with dementia, lowering yeah, health care and Jerry, drug costs, Jerry. the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, well, Jerry. he's done these wonderful things. Why okay, are we let me, questioning that? Listen, I understand as a Democrat you think they're all wonderful. A lot of Republicans think he's done a series no. of terrible things. But, but yeah. there's, no doubt, there's no doubt the midterm election results, for example, were in some way a validation of Biden's presidency so far. It was a lot better than people yeah. thought might happen. My question really right. is, when you see him do that clip this week, where he talks about them taking off the top of his head to see if he has a brain, and mumbling and stumbling oh, through that thing... trying to make a silly comment But he wasn't really joking. He wasn't was even thinking. laughing when he said it. He just looked completely out of it. No, he started a joke and halfway through it realised this thing is falling flat. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Here's Jerry, what I look, think. Jerry, you're, well, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 79. Right, and you've never stopped working. I don't think you'll ever stop working, right? Well, I might, but it's... I think I still have my mental acuity. I think I may stop because there are other things I want to do. I want to spend more time with Richard, my grandson, and follow him in baseball and basketball and do things like that. So it's more that decision more than a medical decision. Here's what I believe is happening. Overwhelmingly, every poll shows that the vast majority of people who think Biden is too old are conservative and Republican. Now, there are Democrats who think he's too old. But when you ask them why they think he's too old, is they worry that if he's at the top of the ballot, other people will think he's too old and the ballot and, and the whole ticket will go down the drain. That's a political worry. But if you're asking the question, is he competent to be president of the United States, there is absolutely no evidence on his record so far that he is not okay. competent Jer to lead this country. I can, see, I can see Gene wanting to get back in here. Gene? Sorry. Look, let's call it, let's call it for what it is. Um, 
I'm on both sides of the fence about all sorts of political issues, so you can't call me a rabid Democrat or conservative or liberal or any of that. You know, I'm everybody's worst enemy because I simply vote on the issues. But let's call it the way it is. The masses, I don't believe for a second, vote on pol political platform. They wouldn't be able to explain to you anything. It is invariably and intrinsically, in other big words like gymnasium, the cult of personality. <laughs> when people saw... When people saw Nixon with his five o'clock shadow before any of you were born, it was a TV and uh, debate between and Kennedy yeah. and Nixon, and he had the five o'clock shadow. Nobody remembers what they stood for or who was a Democrat. They just didn't like that guy who looked like, uh, you know, Uncle Joe, who was drinking a little too much. He just didn't look so. So when people watch Mr. Trump, who we both know, they have their perception. And when people watch Mr. Biden, and we've all seen him on TV and stuff, unfortunately, sometimes turning around to shake hands with people who aren't there mm. or uh, mumbling words, that doesn't mean I agree or don't agree with the politics. People will judge this following political uh, battle based on personality. I've not met regular people who've been able to explain to me what the different political platforms are. So okay. I believe Mr. Biden well, that's is in deep trouble. I just want to say one, one last yeah. thing very yeah, quickly. Yeah. If I was on the other side, Mr. Trump's side, and I may not be, actually. I have lots of problems with him. Somebody is going to put together a greatest hits of Mr. Biden falling off bicycles, falling yeah, on stairs, are. and not even talk about politics. Not even talk about politics. Yeah. And that person will and win. And I would think, actually, Can you Jerry, imagine? But can and, you and, imagine and, 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 the on, Jerry, video Jerry, on Trump? I'll, Jerry, let me just say to you, I think, I think the, bigger, the bigger problem, Jerry, for, for Democrats, I think, is not really Trump, who remains the bogeyman that may get out the Democrat vote, actually, as it happened last time. So that might be the worst scenario for the Republicans if Trump does win the nomination. But if it's someone like Governor Ron DeSantis who's in his 40s, full of energy, full of dynamism, you know, on a tough campaign trail. I would not want to be a Democrat trying to have Biden as my guy against a bloke half his age with that kind of energy. Just purely Here's, on the optics say that Gene just mentioned. OK, let me just say this. I absolutely agree with you that there would be a political burden with Biden at the top of the ticket. I totally recognize that. But I'm on the show because the question was, is Biden too old to be president? Yeah. On that issue, he is not too old based on his performance. Is there a political price to pay? Absolutely. So, Gene, I have no argument with what you just said. I agree with you totally. But the issue is, is he too old? Objectively, in his case, I'm not saying another 84-year-old or 82-year-old. Yeah. I'm saying him. I'm saying objectively. Well, I know people. I'm going to say, other than you job. two, other than you two, who burst with radiant vitality and youthful dynamism, <laughs> I know people like Dame Joan Collins, who's nearly 90 and, and is like a 50-year-old. You know, Warren Buffett, people like this, who are in the 90s, still as sharp as a whip. Um, there are also people I know who are in their late 80s, 90s, who are incredibly on it. My issue with Biden is when you see all these gaffes and all these stumbles and everything else, he looks to me like he's already feeling his age at 80. And that would be a concern for me. But anyway, guys, I've got to leave it there. Jerry, brilliant to see you again. We worked together on America's great Got Talent. Uh, and Gene, great to see you. We worked together on Celebrity Apprentice. 
And thank God you pulled out after a few episodes because that allowed me to win. Because I think if you'd stayed in, I'd have been dead man. <laughs> so thank you, Gene Simmons, for your selfless act. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Take care. Well, next tonight, uh, we may have mentioned this yesterday, we're going to wallow in it a bit more. We won an award on this programme, a scoop of the year at the British Sports Oscars, and we're going to boast about it after the break. Well, welcome back. I've still got Kevin and Esther here, but I'll take a little moment to wallow in a little bit of triumph for the show. Uh, the uh, Ronaldo interview that we did, which, of course, went around the world and led to well, a lot of consequences. He left Manchester United, went to Saudi Arabia and all the fallout that, that uh, preceded that. So uh, we won Scoop of the Year at the British Sports Journalism Awards, which are the kind of the Oscars of British sports journalism. It was a great honour to win that, I have to say. I wanted to be a sports journalist when I was a young kid. So there's our award. And here's a little montage of why we won it with a little bit of what I said about it on stage after the award was given to me. Sir Alex Ferguson left a big gap in the club. Not People forget that I'm a human, human being, <clears throat> that I passed through a difficult moment. Now your baby daughter's in hospital. Kind of that didn't believe. The way I felt uh, provoked by the coach. I think that the empathy with the coach is not good. I think you don't, you don't respect the way I should deserve. It's hard, it's hard for me to say that I will not be back to Manchester United, but regardless, as you say, it's, it's, let's see what's going to happen. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who until yesterday evening was the most iconic number seven in Manchester United history. <laughs> I'm sure I speak for the whole room here, indisputably the greatest footballer of all time. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a man of his word and a really good guy. And I want to uh, thank him, because without him, I wouldn't be here. There'd be no scoop. So thank you, Cristiano. Well, there we have it. So the 7-0 the gag, obviously, went down well with those who got it, but not so well with Man United fans. Uh, but I sincere thanks to Cristiano, because without him, there wouldn't have been any scoop. And it was an amazing thing to be involved with. And I feel very proud of uh, the interview and also of the team here at Piers Morgan, I sense it on Talk TV, who helped get it on air and go around the world. It was a thunderous scoop, and it didn't cost us a penny. So they're the best ones. So thank you all very much. Let's turn to something else. Um, Catherine Ryan, the comedian, says about Leonardo DiCaprio dating young ladies. I don't think it's controversial to say it's gross. Now, is she right? Is it getting creepy that DiCaprio keeps dating women? Apparently, when he gets to 25, that's the cutoff point. I don't think go, As he heads gross. to 50. Or is there a double standard? Because Madonna keeps prancing around with young toy boys. Yeah. She doesn't get anything like the aggravation he gets. I don't think, I don't think it's gross because it is not a secret that men like young, beautiful, attractive women. I think it's gross that the women who are clearly not attracted to Leonardo DiCaprio because he is very not attractive are just doing it very <laughs> clearly for his money. Now, with Madonna dating toy boys, we can all assume that she's not all there anyway because she keeps showing us pictures of her bum and her face now looks like a, <laughs> a loaf of Warburton. Kevin, so... what do you think? We, is it any of any of our businesses? I find the Madonna thing a total cringe. Yeah. Uh, but I also find it slightly cringy, DiCaprio, that it's all, the women are always very young. It's like, well, really, yeah. mate? Yeah, uh, no one your own age. Or so what do they talk about? I find DiCaprio creepy, actually. Yeah, great out with, actor. Going out with people, you know, pff, 
easily young enough to be his, uh, you know, his daughter, or in some cases, probably his granddaughter. It's perfectly lawful if he likes to go out with younger women. Was, he's no, a single guy. What's, what's you're, you're quite right. There might be some double standards with me, because I've criticised you for having a pop at Madonna mm. be, before. Maybe we should get Madonna and DiCaprio together. <laughs> oh, my God. And then we'll just solve all the problems. Well, she's about imagine? 35 years too old for him. Yeah, could you imagine? I, look, I don't I'm not think, all of her. I think, I think most men, if they're honest with themselves, they could date beautiful women. We know the French yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the would. French thing is half a man's age plus seven is the yeah. optimum age. Mm -hmm. So if he's 50, the woman can be 32. Yes. That's it, yeah. apparently. That's the French way. They seem to know about these things, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Great to see you. That's it for tonight. Keep it uncensored. Good night.